Hello and welcome to my podcast. Um, today we're going to be talking about uh, straight from the horse's mouth, how to read and hopefully to understand a scientific research paper. So uh, to begin with, I'll let you in on a little secret. Sometimes I don't understand science. I've been either studying or working on infectious diseases since I was uh, a bright-eyed undergraduate in 2007, which is more than 10 years ago now. It's more sort of baggy-eyed than bright-eyed. And yet even now I can sit down um, to look at a research paper and be no more sure of what it was talking about when I finished uh, than when I'd started. And if you're not a scientist, and sometimes even if you are, scientific papers can seem deliberately confusing. Uh, and in fact, often they are. Scientists are often pressured into writing in an overly complex style uh, by journals and they're sort of, um, well, this is how it's always been kind of um, mantra with uh, scientists. And we don't wish to appear like we don't know what we're talking about. So sometimes we use lots of complicated words when really fewer and more simple words would have worked just as well and been far more understandable. And it's starting to dawn on us and uh, acad academia in general uh, that we need to start writing about our research in ways that non-scientists can understand. Uh, the explosion in fake news surrounding COVID-19 uh, vaccines and the pandemic just highlights how many people feel more comfortable watching and believing sort of a sketchy YouTube video or a Twitter thread uploaded by some uh, pop star, uh, Nicki Minaj, I'm looking at you, than, you know, the multiple peer-reviewed scientific papers uh, from scientists who have decades of experience in a very specific field and should know more about what they're talking about. We need to fix this, and the responsibility primarily lies with science. We need to stop pretending that we're too clever to bother to explain our science to the public um, and try and write more plain language versions of our research. It is starting to happen, and certain journals now require scientists to publish a plain language abstract, so a sort of summary of their paper. But until, for instance, Gareth, who works in the corner shop, or Femi, the primary school teacher, can pick up a scientific paper uh, and understand it and know how to read it and then make their own informed decision, uh, we've still got a lot of work to do. So to try and aid this, in this article, I'm going to try and explain how scientific papers work, um, how they're organised, so that everyone's got a chance uh, at understanding them. Some papers will be harder to read and to understand than others, uh, but you can give it a go, and the more you try, the better you'll get. Uh, there's a really good article, uh, and I've put a link to it in, in mine, about an in-depth explanation on how to read and understand scientific papers, so I recommend it. Often scientific papers use a lot of abbreviations and acronyms, um, most times they have a table at the top of the article explaining what they all mean. They should also explain the full meaning um, or the full name the first time that that acronym is used um, and the acronym is usually in brackets after it. So for example, um, if the paper said, uh, this paper is going to talk about antimicrobial resistance, brackets AMR, um, and then the next time it's mentioned, it will be the main concern with AMR is, so you should be able to find um, somewhere at the beginning of the paper what that acronym actually means. So some words you might find helpful when reading scientific papers, um, aim. So um, this is a statement that describes the purpose um, to the piece of research. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't provide a prediction, um, but an example of this would be, we aim to identify how many mosquitoes carry dengue fever in Laos. A citation or reference 
uh, is another piece of research that the author has quoted in their paper. And this is usually to help up, uh, help back up their argument or to provide background information to the problem that they're addressing. References um, can be written either as sort of a name, so Stevens et al, which means and others, uh, 2005, or it can have sort of a number in a bracket. And these uh, full references are usually found at the end um, of the paper. And also the, the references are at the end of each sentence. So if it's a sentence explaining, say, 25% um, of um, Japanese people smoke, for instance, whatever paper that that um, information has been found in will be at the end of that sentence. DOI number, which stands for Digital Object Identifier. And this is a string of letters, numbers, and symbols, which can be used to uniquely identify an article or document. And most scientific papers now um, each have their own individual DOI. Hypothesis. So um, often goes in the same kind of area of the paper as an aim, but this is an actual prediction of what the researchers think they are going to find. Um, and this is what will be tested via the methods that have been used. So an example of this is we hypothesize or predict that patients will recover more quickly when given this drug. Um, Non-significant. So significance means something slightly different to scientists than it does in general. Um, so significance and non-significance. Um, if a result is significant, um, Normally that kind of means it's noteworthy or has a particular meaning, but in science, it means that the likelihood of this result occurring is not just due to chance. Um, and then equally non-significant is um, the results were just as likely to have occurred by chance or at random. And there's a link to a good website that explains um, statistical significance um, in the blog. This is how scientists identify whether their results are kind of true or they're just kind of random. Um, and there are lots of different statistical tests um, that are used to identify whether um, the result is significant or not. So I'm also going to go over the types of scientific paper that you might come across. Um, the main one is primary research. And this is the most common type of paper generally, and it outlines a piece of research that a team has done themselves. Um, and it often includes sections that uh, I'm going to highlight below, and these include the background, methods, results, and discussion. Um, uh, I've put examples of each type of um, paper in the blog. Um, as I say, in, in the example that I've added about plague, as you know, I like plague, um, the authors have described their problem, um, which is in the background, how they went about answering it, which is in the methods, what they found in the results, and what these findings mean. Um, in the discussion. These papers are often the hardest to kind of read and understand because the authors will be discussing ideas and methods that as a non-scientist you might not have heard of or come across before. And even as a scientist in a different field, sometimes it's not necessarily the most obvious what they mean. We also have reviews, which as the name suggests, an author has gone and read and analyzed multiple papers within a specific area and summarized what was found into sort of more of a story compared to a, a primary literature paper. Um, and the example that I um, found was the authors had identified a question, for instance, how well prepared um, is Africa for COVID-19 and dealing with COVID-19? Uh, and those authors had searched for relevant papers 
that uh, might answer the questions. Um, and reviews are easier generally for non-scientists to read because they don't go into quite such great detail uh, and provide more of an overview of what those primary papers have said. There's also something called a systematic review, which is a more rigorous uh, version of the above review. And often the clue is in the title. Um, the title of the paper will probably say systematic review of. Um, and systematic reviews have very specific processes to include or exclude certain papers. Um, and that will always be outlined in the methods section. And another one that you might come across is editorials. And these are more opinion pieces, which are usually on a sort of vaguely controversial topic. For instance, if a recent paper has come out and it contradicts previous literature, for instance, or a scientist believes that a certain area should be focused on more, um, they can kind of argue for or against these things. Um, and my example that I've um, added is an, an editorial in the journal Nature, which is arguing to improve the world's laboratory capacity the patents for CRISPR gene editing technology should be made free. Um, so uh, yes, it's kind of a, it's a balancing and weighing up of um, the pros and cons. Now, the way that most primary um, scientific papers and often systematic review papers are split are into the following sections, which I'll um, go through now. Obviously, to begin with, you will have a title and the title is the first thing you'll read. Um, and the title of a scientific paper says a lot about its contents. Sometimes it's posed as the question it's trying to answer. So for instance, antibiotic usage and stewardship in patients with COVID-19, too much antibiotics in uncharted waters. Um, sometimes it's a description of the research, um, such as this one, identification of risk factors associated with resistant E. coli isolates from poultry farms and E. coli on the east coast of Peninsular Malaysia, a cross-sectional study. So it's telling you what it's looking at. And sometimes it's a statement of the results that they found, such as an increase in methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus acquisition rate and the change in pathogen um, pattern associated with an outbreak of severe acute respiratory syndrome, which is saying that there's an increase in MRSA um, and it's associated with this outbreak of SARS. Most of the time, they're fairly sensibly titled, um, but you can't say that scientists don't have a sense of humor. And sometimes these um, titles have excellent puns in them. And I've put a link to some amusing titles to, to real genuine uh, published scientific papers that are uh, quite amusing. So enjoy them. The next thing you're likely to see is the abstract. So this is usually um, sh a short overview of what you're going to find within the paper. Um, and again, it, it's often broken down into this background uh, methods, results, and discussion. It often has the sort of key results highlighted as well, so the key findings from that paper. And this is great for getting an idea of what the paper is sort of generally about, but it doesn't always tell the whole story. So don't just read it and assume you've understood the paper if you've read the abstract. Then you're likely to move on to the background or the introduction. And this section of the paper explains what we already know about this particular area of science. And it cites other researchers' articles to highlight what we know and what we don't know about this area. And it's the gaps in this collective knowledge that the paper you're reading is trying to fill with their research. And backgrounds are good places to learn about a certain field as they provide um, a generally up-to-date overview of what is already known. Generally, they're more up-to-date than books, for instance. Um, a good background should have lots of references to other people's work 
um, as well as the key facts and sort of figures from those papers. And if they don't, then it might be difficult for you as the reader to compare what um, the paper that you're reading has found um, compared to what is known already. So for instance, if the paper you're reading states that in say Khartoum in Sudan, 90% of the E. coli that they found in ward patients were resistant to gentamicin. But if there's no data in the background about, about what similar studies might have found, you and potentially the author don't know whether 90% is a high rate of resistance or maybe even a low rate of resistance. However, if, for instance, um, the background states that um, a study in Nairobi found that there was only 10% of resistance in E. coli um, found on patient in patient samples, you'll know that 90% found in this paper is probably quite high. The next part will be the aims and the hypotheses, and this section is sometimes found at the end of the background section. And it's usually sort of um, some sentences or a paragraph which where the author states what the problem is and what they believe their study might find and contribute. So the definitions of aims and hypotheses we went through um, just now. And an example of how this might be written is, for instance, our review of the current literature, um, e.g. what they've written about in the background, shows that there is a lack of data on the amount of antimicrobial resistance seen in farm animal infections. In this paper, we aim to identify what percentage of infections seen in cows and goats on farms, say in the Copper Belt region of Zambia, have um, antimicrobial resistance. So that is the aim, that is the statement of what they're planning to do. And then we hypothesize that we will see more resistant infections in cows than in goats. And so that's what they are predicting to see. Next, you'll move on to the methods. Um, and this section explains how the researchers did the research to get the results that they did. And in theory, the methods should be detailed enough for a scientist in a completely different sort of laboratory in the same field, but in a different laboratory to repeat that experiment exactly, um, including where they got their chemicals from, what volumes they used, exactly how long they incubated their cells for, what temperatures, that kind of thing. And sometimes the paper might provide a reference to another paper if they followed their exact methods um, already. The authors should also explain what programs and statistical tests they use to analyze their data. Then there's the results section. So this section is where the authors display everything that they found when they did their experiments. It should be pure facts. So we found this, this, or this, um, and the author should have left the interpretation of the results to the next section, i.e. this is why we think we found this. And the data might be displayed in many different ways, depending on what it is. It could be in a table, it could be in a graph, perhaps a map with different colored um, countries. Um, and under each of these images or graphs or maps will be a description, which should be detailed enough to explain the entire image or map um, and what it's supposed to show. We then have the discussion and the discussion is really important, uh, probably the most important part of this paper um, as this is where the author will try and interpret their results and explain why they think they saw what they did. So, for instance, we found that more mosquitoes were breeding in fresh water than dirty water, which is likely to be related to the species of mosquitoes found in this region. So the fact that they know about the types of species of mosquito um, will be from previous research. So, for instance, they might put... Aruda et al. Um, in, from 2013 showed that it is mostly Aedes mosquito species that are found in this region. Um, 
and 80s mosquitoes usually breed in dirty water rather uh, sorry in fresh water rather than dirty water and if the scientists results fit with what previous literature has already found then they tend to back this up as well with other references so for instance our references show similar patterns in mosquito breeding habits to uh, a paper by Tembo et al. from 2020. If their results are different from what was previously found, the author might suggest why this, uh, why this might be. So did they collect mosquitoes at a different time of year? Was it in an urban rather than a rural setting? Um, and just because they're different doesn't necessarily mean that they're wrong or even that the papers previously are wrong. Um, although often if they are sort of different, then uh, the paper should state any potential limitations that they had. So for instance, these results were limited by the fact that due to poor weather, samples could only be taken from non-flooded areas. Um, so as I say, these limitations may have impacted um, their results. And the discussion is where the author tries to justify and explain their results. And it's this section where you'll need to think hardest and try and decide whether you think their results are justified by their reasoning. The final part of the paper is the conclusion, uh, and the conclusion to a scientific paper tries to tie all of the sections, uh, previous sections together into a summary statement, and often finishes with a few sentences about how the author thinks their research will impact future research. This might suggest that their findings might help policymakers to make better decisions, or the doctors might use this new drug alongside another to treat patients quicker um, or with less side effects. Um, you'll often find that research raises more questions than it answers though. And then the final part um, is the list of references. Um, as I mentioned above, references are sort of um, other papers that, that scientists have quote from. Um, and this will enable you to find and read any of those previous uh, research papers. And often there are web addresses or DOI numbers which you can click and it will be uh, it will take you straight through to that page. It's important to look at the age of the references, um, so when they were published, and if all of the author's references are from, say, 20 years ago, then they're definitely not up to date on their background um, information and the field has probably moved on since then. Um, some older references are fine, uh, but there should be some newer ones too, although some scientific fields do move faster than others, uh, so that's something to bear in mind. <laughs>